You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, and this is our latest look at the Chicago White Sox. I am joined by Scott Merkin out in Glendale, Arizona. Spring training has begun. White Sox pitchers and catchers report this week. Position players not far behind, and uh, Merk is all over it for WhiteSox.com and MLB.com. Merk, how's it looking out there? It's a uh, beautiful weather. Actually, I got to say, <laughs> leaving Chicago, Chicago is pretty. I don't know what you had in Cleveland this off season, Anthony, but we had maybe Nothing. two or three snowstorms and maybe two really cold days. And I saw the forecast. You know, usually I like to kind of laud it over my friends because that's the kind of person I am when I go to Arizona, but it's like going to be 63 in Chicago this weekend. So there's not much bragging going on, but Arizona looks great. And I'm glad Chicago is looking great too. You know, we've uh, talked about the White Sox winter, obviously quite a bit and uh, a lot of new faces uh, will be there in camp. Uh, But let's focus first of all on some holdovers. There's been a lot of rumblings about David Robertson uh, potentially on the move to the nationals. Uh, This is something that has been a, a rumored fit for weeks on end. Almost to the point where you're surprised David Robertson wasn't included in the Adam Eaton trade like as part of a bigger blockbuster right. package. But it doesn't sound like anything is necessarily imminent. Uh, but, but what do you know about uh, that, that potential fit? Well, I believe it was Bob Nightingale who reported they tried to include him, and I had heard that after the fact, too. And Bob had reported that you know, they were close even this week on another deal, and I know they had been close uh, you know, another time before that. And I'm guessing, you know, without going into too many details, that you know, part of the issue is how much – if any, are the White Sox willing to pay down of the two years, $25 million left on David Roberts? Not so much the two years, but just the $25 million left on his contract. And how does that affect the prospect return they get? And let's, let's face it, they took a pretty good chunk of the Nationals' you know, elite prospects when they made the Adam Eaton trade, getting Giolito and Lopez and Dunning, who was a first-round pick himself. So, you know, I, I still believe, and, you know, this, again, I think people should remember that this does not reflect anything on the guys who are being traded. It's just the nature of what the Sox are going through. Robertson's, you know, been a great guy in the clubhouse. He's done a very solid job as closer. You know, had some kind of high-profile blown saves, but has done a, a good job overall. Very charitable guy. Has worked well in, in Chicago community with his wife, Aaron. But it's just, you know, I, I don't know if you need a closer at, at that, you know, salary right now for a team that's probably going to win, you know, 70 if they get on a roll games this year. Maybe, a little, who knows, somewhere in that range. But, I mean, hmm. it makes sense they're trying to trade him. They have Nate Jones down there. They have Zach Birdie, who is the 26th pick overall in the draft last year, who the Sox believe is, you know, very close to being ready. He's their closer of the future. So it's, I think it's just a question of it's like any of these trades, you know. All the Sox fans are waiting. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? Well, it's, it could happen by the time we're done taping this podcast, or it might be, you know, the trade deadline. It's just all about matching up and getting kind of all the I's dotted and T's crossed and making sure both sides are getting what they wanted to move forward. Well, you can give the, you know, very similar answer to what I'm going to bring up here, but, uh, you know, just because spring training has officially begun doesn't mean we're done talking about Jose Quintana's trade market. Um, We can continue that uh, up through and, uh, you know, probably well past opening day uh, if he's still with the White Sox. He's an obvious trade candidate. And, you know, I've, like so many other people, uh, pointed to the Astros as a good fit there as a team that, you know, I feel is is really made a concerted effort here to, to, to be a World Series contender in 2017, but has significant questions in their rotation. You know, they have farm system depth. We know they talked to the White Sox quite, about, quite a bit about Quintana. Uh, they just added a couple draft picks in the, uh, the hacking scandal uh, resolution with the Cardinals. 
Um, so I don't know. It, it seems to make a lot of sense that if, if you were to go anywhere between now and opening day, that would be a good fit. Maybe something else would pop up. You never know what injury might strike in spring training. But I, I guess my question really for you, Merck, is how do you think Quintana is going to handle all this, the, the fact that he is with the White Sox, uh, as pitchers and catchers report, but we all know it's no certainty that he'll be with them on opening day, or even if he is, uh, that, that could be a tenuous situation as well. Do you think he can uh, kind of drown out all this noise and, and just focus on his business of pitching? Yeah, he's, you know, he's a pretty focused kid, and he was fine at Sox Fest. And remember, he also has a, a great deal of excitement pitching for uh, Team Columbia in the World Baseball Classic. It's their first entry in the World Baseball Classic, and obviously his first appearance for Columbia in the World Baseball Classic. And, you know, with... Uh, Tehran from from Arizona, from Atlanta, they're going to be the top two guys in that rotation. And it, it, there's a chance, actually, they open against the US, Team USA and Quintana could face, you know, David Robertson and Nate Jones, who are both part of that team, although they're pitchers as well. This is a guy who's been through what, I, I don't have the number off the top of my head, but I think it's like 58 no decisions since 2012, somewhere in the 50s. So he's, he's used to adversity. Adversity is his middle name at this point. And I think you said it well, you know, that I, I – I think there's been a ton of interest, as I've said many times on the podcast and in my writings, that any day Jose Quintana is still with the Sox, you can safely say a team is interested in acquiring Jose Quintana, whether it's a team that's contending like Houston or Pittsburgh or the Yankees or a team that's not but has the prospects to move that could use Quintana, who's got a, you know, a great deal for the next four years. I think it's owed about $38 million over that time. So, you know, I, I think teams are going to continue interested, and, and it's going to come down to if he gets moved before spring training or before the World Baseball Classic even. I think you're going to see teams that are going to survey their landscape. Obviously, the first thing would be an injury. If someone gets hurt, then you explore that avenue. But others may say, hey, you know, we're better than we thought, but, man, we really need that one last elite starting pitcher, and we're going to have to bite the bullet and, you know, give up some of our guys, some of our top guys, but let's go and get them. I've seen some stories talk about – um you know, that teams are more willing to trade prospects. And I, I think that's that's obviously the case when you're getting a Chris Sale or you're getting an Adam Eaton or you're getting a possibly Chris Archer or Jose Quintana. But I don't know what you think, Anthony. I think even teams that are in contention and are that close to, you know, going over the top and making a push for the World Series, like the Astros or the Yankees are not too far off, they're not really looking to trade their their top guys. because Well, no one is, but because you can keep yourself, you know, self-sustained sustained that way. You know, if you start depleting your system look what happened to the Sox over the years you've got to kind of piece it together or go full rebuild so I, I think I would respectfully disagree with people who say that you know there's a big push to trade prospects I get it that you never know when they're going to end up being you know there's a guy who the Sox traded for James Shields Fernando Tatis Jr. the son of Fernando Tatis who played in the majors who is very highly touted among the people who analyze prospects the great people who have you know like our own Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo but my argument is, you know, they were going for it last year, and you have no idea what Fernando Tatis is going to turn out to be. He may be the next Ozzy Smith-Barry Larkin combo, or he may never see the major leagues. So that's the problem with prospects is, yeah, it's great. You know, you like the upside in all these guys, but how many guys are going to achieve what you have? So you have to decide whether you want to keep them, and you can keep building from within or make that one big move and give up some of your top young guys. Yeah, every situation is going to be different, of course. It depends uh, how all-in – uh, all in really means. Um, you know, I, I know in the Astros case, just just to use them as an example, you know, they've made a couple of trades in, in recent years that kind of backfired on them. So I don't know if that makes them more right. cautious about moving young talent. Um, Francis Martes is is uh, their big uh, you know pitching prospect who would of course have appeal for the White Sox. But for all we know, he could step up and have a great camp and, and prove to be the answer to their question of rotation sure. on his own. So you just and, and there's the plus of uh, keeping your guys, and you know you don't you don't have to pay any extra money. You know, I, although Quintana's contract is very 
affordable for pretty much any team in baseball, I would think. But you even yeah. save that money you can put towards something else if someone like that sure. steps up from within your system. Yep, always a moving target, and that's what, uh, and that's why you don't see too many blockbuster trades in spring training. But um, I do think, uh, in, in Quintana's case, uh, particular, it, it seems like this could be a year where we do see one. We'll see. Um, but as far as guys who uh, are going to be around for sure uh, on the White Sox roster, a um, couple positions of interest: Merck, I mean, second base, of course. Uh, Mankata, Yohan Mankata is looming. And uh, they have no plans to move him off that position, as far as I hear. Uh, but what does the uh, immediate future hold for second base? Well, second base is an interesting uh, triumvirate. It's uh, I'm glad I got that word triumvirate into the podcast. <laughs> uh, Brett Laurie's back. You know, he seems to be he appears to be healthy from his tweets. We haven't seen him yet. He'll be there. You know, at the end of the week when play, position players report. Tyrus Saldino did a really nice job filling in for uh, well, not filling in, taking over the spot when Brett was hurt last year and. I believe, didn't play after July 21st for the White Sox. And then they're still very high on Carlos Sanchez, who's a young guy, switch hitter, can play across the infield. I think the thing with Tyler Saladino is that he's on the team. There's no doubt about that. It's just his versatility makes him more valuable as a guy who plays third, short, second, first, as opposed to an everyday second baseman. Now, Brett Laurie also can play third, so you can use him a little bit around the infield. But I would guess, you know, it's going to be a moving thing, and I would guess Brett probably, if there's no moves made, breaks camp as the starting second baseman, at least at the season outset. And how about center field, Merck? Uh, Charlie Tilson, uh, of course, an option out there. Uh, but yeah, what do you, what do you think, uh, you know, that, that position battle, as it were, will come down to? Well, Charlie Tilson is the, guy, the, the one move they made at the trade deadline last year. They traded uh, Zach Dukes to St. Louis for Charlie, and Charlie had a, uh, an interesting debut. We've talked about this before on the podcast, got a hit had his requisite talk with Miguel Cabrera at first base, who was pretty amazed by uh, him getting a hit in his first major league at bat, which to me is Miguel Cabrera offensively. you got to be pretty, got to do something pretty impressive. This guy won a triple crown. And then, you know, blew out his hamstring in that same game, chasing a Miguel Cabrera double in right center. So I talked to Charlie at the hitters mini camp in January. One of his goals was to hit that camp with no restrictions, which he did. He's going to have some other running, you know, kind of targets. His speed is a key thing in his game to make sure he's up to up to par. But I would think Tilson at an interesting minor league contract, they, they brought in uh, Peter Borges, and I would think those two, even though the 40-man is pretty full right now at 39, I would think those two are going to be the guys who would be you know looking as kind of a, a platoon in center field as the season starts. All right, Mark, anything else uh, intriguing to you here in these early days of camp? This is Rick Renteria's first camp as skipper of the White Sox, of course. Uh, I know you guys uh, had your first powwow with him, but uh... – what stands out to you here in these early days? Well, I think it'll be interesting to see a few things. You know, Todd Frazier talking about Todd Frazier wants to stay with the Sox through the rebuild and back to the successes his last year before free agency. Talked to me at SoxFest about wanting to be that leader, you know, kind of show the young guys. We all know he's a great clubhouse guy, so we'll see how that manifests itself. James Shields, very proud guy, you know, has had some good years, had a really rough year, especially with the White Sox last year. See how he bounces back. You know, you're adding a guy like Derek Holland to the rotation who has potential to be a pretty solid pitcher working with Don Cooper. And then just, you know, the young guys. The, how, how do the young guys adjust in this first camp with the White Sox, you know, from the guys they acquired, uh, Moncada, Giolito, Kopech, to the guys they've already had, you know, like Birdie and Collins and Hawkins and everyone else. I'm sure I'm leaving guys out, but people know who the prospects are. So it'll be an interesting mix. It's an interesting mix for Rick Renteria with, you know, some elite young guys and some established veterans and, you don't see that a lot in rebuild. It seems like more it's just, you know, a lot of young guys and maybe kind of, no offense to guys who are in the majors because they're pretty solid just to get there, but kind of 
more borderline veterans. This is a team with, you know, some great young players that are probably not ready yet and some guys who have proven themselves in the majors. So we'll see how that, that blend kind of works. And Rick Renteri is first spring training as White Sox manager. All right, there you have it. That's the latest from Scott Merkin. We'll continue to check with him each week during spring training and throughout the 2017 season. I want to thank him for joining us. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been MLB.com Extra, Chicago White Sox edition. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.